Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a number of UK equities. There's been some exciting developments in the two stocks that we're going to be discussing today. We're also going to be taking a look initially at the macro picture and what's happening out there in markets. We're recording this on Wednesday morning and we've got a a packed week of central bank action. So if you're listening to this a little bit later on in the week, some of the topics that we're discussing might have got the results and announcements for already, but we're going to be delving into those because they are going to be market moving. And to discuss this, we kindly have with us once more, Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Morning, John. Good to be back. This is probably one of the busiest weeks for central bank Mm. action that we have had this year. I think there was six or seven central banks who are going to be deciding on rates this week. And of course, that was after the ECB last week hiked rates but at the, t- the same time signalled that that was probably it for from them in terms of their hiking cycle. They increased rates, but in the press conference made all the sounds that they were they were done and they saw what was happening in the economy. Of course, we're seeing a big slowdown in Germany, Europe's biggest economy, and that is to some extent a result of the cost of living crisis, inflation, but also higher interest rates. So, We're going to have later on today, the Federal Reserve, they're expected to hold rates. That's that's a wide consensus in markets. If anything else happens there, that's going to be a big shock. But of course, for us here in the UK, the big event for this week is the Bank of England Mm -hmm. tomorrow, which were expected to increase rates to 5.5%, a 25 basis point increase. Alan, we've had some very interesting data out this morning in terms of UK CPI. Now, we actually saw a better than expected read. So the the market and economists had a consensus of a 7% read on year-on-year CPI, but it actually came in at 6.7%, which was lower than last month's 6.8%. So that's good news. That's really good news. For, for, for the economy, it shows that, that prices are slowing down. And as you mentioned before we started recording, it shows that the medicine that the Bank of England have dealt to the markets and, and the economy is starting to work with those slower inflation rates. Of course, there, there is in the background this new threat of rising oil prices. We're looking at Brent at around $95 getting up to that $100 mark, you know, that that's a concern. That's going to be increasing prices at the petrol pump and that will feed through to the rest of the energy ecosystem as well. So that could lead to, to higher bills, again, inflationary. So that's something to keep uh, an eye on. But just looking at this market reaction that we're seeing this morning out there, Alan, much lower than expected inflation, as one would expect. We are seeing... This play out, particularly in the house builders, of course, extremely exposed to to interest rates. And that's really a trade that people are are putting on because they're looking at this lower inflation rate and thinking, well, hang on, the expectations were just a couple of days ago that the Bank of England would hike rates to 5.5%. But if we start to see inflation 
full, that, that removes the need to do that. So, Alan, in your view, with this data this morning, does that cast a lot of doubts over the decision tomorrow? And, and is this move that we're seeing in house builders this morning, is, is that warranted? Or do you think that we still see the hype tomorrow and, you know, it could all fall apart and get a little bit messy? It's it's an interesting uh, uh, period, isn't it, John? Uh, I mean, we of course, we spoke recently about the house builders re- reporting. And I mean, I'm just looking at the share price of Barrett's. Uh, that's up 4% this morning. And of course, these companies have been trading um, at, uh, at, at, at uh, you know, uh, a decent um a decent level, uh, but also, of course, they, they still offer a great dividend yield. But this jump this morning does signal that perhaps um, uh, the, the, there are expectations that instead of raising interest rates tomorrow, as has been widely predicted, uh, that the Bank of England will just keep rates uh, where they are. Certainly, the there's a lot of uh, the, the, there are mixed signals coming out of Threadneedle Street. I think we're hearing that. Um, that the the Bank of England governor is very much set on that course, and uh, and um, it's it's actually it's actually a medicine that, um, as we said earlier, is clearly working. But we're also hearing um, that, that some members believe the bank the money monetary policy policy committee have gone too far, and they've actually they've actually overdone it on the interest rate rises, and there's a serious risk of over tightening. And of course, um, the they're trying to manage this balance of interest rates, um, you know, get a grip on inflation uh, that now we've got rising oil prices. Um, and of course, in the meantime, they're trying to steer the economy through so we don't fall into recession. And of course, we're, we're, we're dangerously close to that um, anyway, as we know. But um, I think given this latest data, you know, that's a significant drop, 6.7% compared to expectations of 7%. It shows the medicine's working. Why not? Just go with the status quo, keep the interest rates uh, where they are for now and continue. But I fear, even though that would seem to be the common sense thing to do, I still fear that they'll follow the lead of the European Central Bank last week and raise interest rates to 5.5%. Yes, it's, it's going to be interesting. The, the most interesting thing for me will be the split among the, the nine mm. members that, that vote on interest rates and how that's split because there are people there that have been voting to keep rates on hold for, for, for some months now. So it'll be interesting to see whether there's a few more people that join that camp. But also it's all going to be about the the, the conference afterwards and the commentary that comes alongside it. Because yes. if we get a, a similar situation to what we did with the European Central Bank last week, where they did hike rates but they accompanied that rate hike with, with comments and suggestions that they were done. If that's a similar situation that we see from the Bank of England, we could actually see a what they call a, a dovish hike where we see interest rates increase, but the commentary that comes alongside it, if that suggests that they're going to be keeping rates on hold for, for the foreseeable future, and, and this is maybe one of the last if not the last rate hikes that they make in this hiking cycle, that could be particularly bullish for the house builders that we mentioned there. I think that will help lift the two, the FTSE 250 yeah. in, in particular. We talk a lot about the FTSE 100, but the FTSE 250, you know, that could really spark a, a rally there. So 
Um, could be in for some fireworks tomorrow, Alan. That's going to be something that's going to be really, really interesting. Do keep an eye on the UK Mr. Magazine, so we're going to be covering that news as soon as it comes out and the market reaction yes, from an editorial standpoint. Yeah, just to say there, John, I think um, I think uh, the, the, the fact that this could be the last interest rate hike has been widely flagged. So perhaps the that's, it's a cycle that will complete regardless of the... Uh, rumblings from the uh, disaffected members on the Monetary Policy Committee. But um, certainly, I think when we, we were speaking about this last last year, I, I can remember and, and uh, looking at this programme of rate hikes and uh, predictions that uh, interest rates would maybe hit 5% by next summer. And of course, you know, this will take it above that. So uh, let, let's hope anyway. But but I think um, I think either way, it will be seen as a positive signal, and perhaps will, as you say, the the conference and the the uh, the uh, discussions from the Monetary Policy Committee members after that will give us some clue as to their thinking going forward. But um, either way, as you say, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a big day in the markets tomorrow. Indeed, and and one thing that I would add uh, to that is when we've seen this in the past in terms of easing, you know, but it's not been interest rate cuts, but quantitative easing in in the past, it's quite interesting to see that as soon as the fixation on what the Bank of England or the Federal Reserve or whoever it may be in terms of central banks, in terms of what they're doing and their action comes to an end, you can see attention very quickly shift over to the to the growth element of, of, of the markets because you know yes we've, we've got the central banks and they're hiking rates or, or keeping them on hold but as soon as that unknown variable has been confirmed people will then start to look at, at what else is happening over uh, what else is happening out there and at the moment it, it, it could shift very quickly to What's happening with global growth? Growth here in in the UK, and and looking at some of the figures out there, they aren't particularly fantastic. So, mm. just uh, I think that's something to bear in mind going forward for the rest of this year. So, Alan, we're going to move on now and discuss two companies. The first company of which is Avacta. Now, I'm just going to read out a, a sentence by. Dr. Alistair Smith, the chief executive of Evacta Group, that came alongside a release yesterday. And he said, I believe that we are on the verge of a paradigm shift in how chemotherapy is delivered to cancer patients. That's a pretty, pretty bold statement, a big statement. And we did see a big move in the share price yesterday, Alan. So what did that release look like? It, it was a paradigm shift, as you, as uh, Dr. Smith said, and uh, I think he deserves huge plaudits for steering the company through. Um, at times, he's personally um, had to under had to uh, uh, weather some pretty intensive flack from the retail and institutional investor audience, because, of course, the with any pharmaceutical company or with any um, with any biotech company um, or company engaged in therapeutics, they have to go through these cycles of proving the concept. And of course, in order to do this, they go through these phase one, phase two, and phase three trials to get these drugs into the marketplace. Um, and the drug 
the well, uh, just a bit of background on Avacta, so 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 uh, so members can get a get a clearer picture. So they have two; they're a life sciences company, um, and they're uh, developing innovative oncology oncology drugs and diagnostics uh, also. So there are two divisions: diagnostics and therapeutics. The therapeutics division has um, they, they have a number of programs in the pipeline. Its lead program, AVA six thousand uses precision or precision which is their uh, the Avacta trademark tumor targeted form of the established chemotherapy treatment doxorubicin um, and uh, at the moment um, uh, AVA 6000 is in phase one clinical trials and what we had back yesterday was um, successful completion of the six dose uh, escalation um, which proved incredibly successful, um, excellent safety profile, uh, and a good tumor response. So a total of 35 patients have been uh, treated so far with uh, AVA 6000. Um, and what it effectively does, whereas the, the chemotherapy process, and we've spoken about this with other companies, it's, it's almost a sledgehammer to crack a nut in many ways. It's, uh, it's not accurate at all. So precision basically... Um, uh, to distill it down to the simplest level, it will take uh, it will take the chemotherapy treatment and use it to target the target the affected cells um, whilst protecting the the healthy cells. Um, that I think is is as simplified a summary a summary a summary as you could uh, attribute to to precision. Um, and uh, with this uh, step forward, of course, um, the um, uh, the, the companies decided that it can escalate uh, cohort seven to the final uh, dose uh, um, in, in order to complete the safety study um, and uh, and also um, understand the efficacy. And that, as Alistair Smith said yesterday, they've seen clear signs of e- efficacy in the treatment. Um, treat pa- uh, patients with these soft tissue sarcomas have shown significant reduction in tumor volume. Um, and further signs of activity. So it's looking very, very good indeed. And of course, this is what the company has been working, developing. Um, uh, but uh, it was, in a sense, sidetracked with its diagnostic di- uh, di- uh, division during COVID because, of course, it uh, developed a range of in vitro diagnostic uh, solutions. Uh, that's um, that's uh, uh, solutions to treat, um, uh, monitor health uh, um, and so on, and it's made several acquisitions in this field um, over the past year. Uh, the most most recent one being in May, uh, where it uh, where the company acquired a, a Belgian based um, uh, uh, company called Chorus, which uh, uh, is a lateral flow test developer, um, which basically adds to the arsenal of um, of equipment and treatments that uh, that Avacta already owns in this area. Um, so so. It's a big step forward for the company, and and I mean, looking at the share price performance, um, if we go back to if we go go back to COVID a couple of years ago, um, the the share price was of course trading much higher. We had a blip this year um, uh, around the time of the acquisition up to one pound eighty five, but then the shares have come back and dipped again. But this could be this could be the catalyst that finally drives the company on. Of course, if um, uh, we move on to the, the next phase of, of testing, then of course it's it's them marketing out worldwide. But of course this treatment is 
you know, cancer treatment, chemotherapy treatment is is global. So the market for this is absolutely huge. Um, and Avacta currently has a market cap of 363 million, which you might think is a considerable market capitalization. But for for companies uh, providing treatments in this area, I mean, this this is a a multi billion billion pound company in the making. Make no mistake about it. And I think it's a it's a really exciting step forward. Also, news out this morning as well, John. Of course, we're talking on Wednesday morning. Um, the the company is seeking to appoint a new full time chief medical officer. Um, and uh, in the interim, it's appointed uh, non-exec Dr. Christina Coughlin as consultant to cover the CMO role. She's a highly experienced oncologist in her own right with a broad, broad background in biotechnology and pharmaceuticals. So um, so the, the team are going to work to progress the uh, AVA 6000 um, uh, 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 lead drug and, uh, and, and develop it and take it forward. And... Um, Really, there's there's so much more news to come, but I think uh, I think yesterday was truly groundbreaking for the company. Um, you know, it's proven at every level now. The efficacy is proven. The safety uh, um, the safety levels are proven for the drug. And um, Alistair Smith and his team deserve an awful lot of plaudits for their achievement. And of course, the fact that they're fighting a horrible disease, cancer. I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has been affected by it. So we wish them all the luck with their new developments and hope it all goes to plan and they're able to get this through to market as everybody listening to this does hope indeed indeed and and also just to say john that uh, the company are in the run-up to their interim results which are out uh, thursday week so thursday 20th september um so uh, it'll be interesting to see what developments uh, that they they'll discuss in that uh, announcement indeed that will be keenly watched So, Alan, we're going to finish off now with a company that we've discussed numerous occasions on the podcast over the last few years. But we've had a major development, not from their projects this time, but in the leadership team, it's ECR Minerals. What's been happening there? Well, last Friday, uh, the company announced that uh, the the chief executive that took over from, of course, uh, Craig Brown, who sadly uh, uh, died uh, back in... uh, uh, in, in fact, uh, nearly two years ago now, which is where has the time gone? Um, uh, Andrew took over, steered the ship through, um, but um, it was he decided to step down last Friday. Um, in his place, uh, we have uh, Nick Tullock, who is the chief executive of Voyager Life. Nick has come in as managing director, along with Mike Whitlow, who, of course, is... Uh, known uh, by many people on uh, social media as Doc Holliday. He's, um, he's a, a, well-known, uh, a well-known sort of uh, uh, activist and investor um, and has been uh, you know, a, real, a real sort of asset for many companies uh, helping to articulate the investment proposition. But it's worth, uh, it's worth noting a bit about these gents. I mean, obviously, Nick has many years of experience in the city. He's, uh, he's worked with... Uh, with some of the well-known investment banks, and uh, you know he's trained as a lawyer, and of course, um, I, as I said, he's also uh, the chief executive of uh, of uh, Voyager Life. Um, but Mike himself has uh, an interesting background. Um, you know, Mike is uh, he's uh, spent over twenty years investing into uh, and financing small cap uh, startup companies, um, and he's overseen and, and put together a number of resource projects through his company Axis Ventures. 
Um, he's overseen two funding rounds, work programs in the Mediterranean and in North America. Um, and Mike comes in as chief operations officer um, uh, and uh, will be looking in detail at, uh, at uh, where the company currently stands in terms of its assets, in terms of its operations, and also, uh, you know, putting the company on um, a much stronger footing financially. Then, it, of course, it was announced on Monday the company has uh, put together a conditional fundraise raising £580,000, but they've done this through a private placing, through um, a group of high net worth investors, um, and the company are paying no fees for that. So, of course, normally when a small company comes to market, it uh, uses a bro the broker to raise the money. Uh, the money comes in at a discount to the price, um, and the brokers charge a fee. So what the company nets back after that is usually uh, a fair bit less than the actual gross amount raised. In this case, the full 580 will be going into ECR. But um, just to remind people of... Uh, really the asset portfolio for the company. Now, it's currently trading at 0.26p. So the raise is, uh, it's, it's conditional raise, it's going to be approved at a general meeting at the start of October. Um, the, but the raise is going to be at 0.75p. The shares are currently trading at 0.26p, um, which is which is great. So it, it's, it's been very well received in the market. But ECR with that share price, still only has a market capitalization just on 3 million. Um, and I think, um, uh, as the team have already said in interviews, I interviewed Mike on Tuesday, that went out yesterday, and uh, they, the team said, you know, we've looked at the assets and we, we believe the company is, is, is undervalued, you know, uh, fundamentally undervalued. Um, but, of course, it's got to be in a much better uh, state financially and be able to... Uh, uh, be able to manage its assets and develop its assets going forward. Um, now, that's not to say that the previous chief executive, Andrew Haythorpe, didn't do a good job. He did. He, he steadied the ship after, uh, after Paul Craig left us and, um, and uh, very much put it back on an even keel. But um, I think uh, in these markets, it's been incredibly tough. And of course, the, pro the rate of progress uh, clearly uh, didn't uh, engage with the market. Um, and that's why these two gentlemen have come in. But I mean, the company have assets in Queensland, of course, the Lulworth project, where we're waiting for um, uh, rock chip samples back in order that uh, uh, drill targets can be um, can be uh, decided on. Uh, they have an option to buy into the Hurricane project, where Adam Jones, the geologist, has been, and he's been sending back media clips recently, uh, which have been disseminated on social media. Um, and the company has an option to acquire the owner of the Hurricane project completely, 100%. Uh, there's another project in Greenland, Blue Mountain project, which the team have yet to work on. And then, of course, in Victoria, um, the uh, the historical project is well known by all investors. Of course, we have the Creswick project, um, and the company uh, will be uh, conducting a thorough assessment of that going forward. But there are... Of course, uh, there's been a lot of work undertaken recently, two potential 100-metre gold shoots at the Quartz Hill Prospect and along the Dimmock's main shale, which runs down to the town of Ballarat, where, of course, there's a famous Ballarat gold mine. And the geology is very similar in Creswick to Ballarat, so that's narrow vein, uh, narrow vein gold mines. Um, 
Then, of course, uh, the Baylison assets, uh, it's still believe there's a lot of value at uh, Baylison, although the drilling at the Blue Moon prospect last year disappointed. Uh, there's still thought to be potential there and at the HR3 prospect. There's a, a, the, there's a prospect east in Victoria called the Tambo Project. The team have conducted an initial visit, taken rock chip samples at uh, what's called the Duke of Cornwall Prospect. So we'll hear about those, no doubt, uh, going forward too. Um, then, of course, uh, the company has a stake in the Dangley Gold Project in the Philippines, owns 90% of, of that asset. Uh, it has a property also in Kresik 2. And, of course, it has some plant. It has, uh, it has drill rigs so, and, and, and other plant. So uh, a full assessment is, uh, w- will be undertaken, of course. And um, once that assessment is complete, then a course of action will be mapped out. But uh, the company, as a result of these changes, will be on a much firmer financial footing. And also with Mike Whitlow and Nick Tullica engaged, I think we're going to see an awful lot of news flow in the coming months. And, uh, and I think investors will start to get really excited about this company again. Indeed, indeed. I mean, that's something that I think, looking at the, the share price and what it's what it's done over the past year, that the change in leadership there uh, will be welcomed by the market. And it certainly was, judging by the initial market reaction, the share price last week. So looking forward to hearing more from ECR. So, so thank you, Alan. Just as a rundown of the companies we discussed today, first up was Avacta Group with the ticker of AVCT. And we finished off there with ECR Minerals, which of course has a ticker of ECR. Alan, thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you, John. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. Do check out the notes to this podcast. We have next week a virtual investment trust conference for anyone interested in investment trusts. It is a must watch. Two very interesting trusts, two very different trusts investing in different areas. We have one that invests in in small caps and aim companies. Anyone listening to this that is uh, that way inclined, that's going to be particularly insightful. And we have a sustainable trust as well. So do check out the notes of this podcast and also the events tab on the UK Investor Magazine website. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.